you're listening to episode 78 of Desi Geek Girls. I'm Preeti Chibber. And I'm Swapna Krishna, and we are recording on Monday, September 12th. And there is so, so much. much to talk okay. about. <laughs> like, I am just like, we were just talking about this, but I am so, t- with the amount, just in the past, like, five days, the amount of stuff that has, like, the content that has dropped and like the teasers and the trailers, like I am at a point where I can't watch it anymore. Like I would just like, I was just like, I can't do it. Like when the stuff comes out, maybe I'll be excited about it. Maybe I will not. And we, but I think you and I are both just like picking and choosing at this point, what we are engaging with, because it's so it's, it's a great time to be like a fan, like a geek, but it's also just getting really overwhelming. Well, what's hard is that I was thinking about this and like same with you, like very much about picking issues and you'll see we're going to cover some D23 stuff in a minute and we literally cannot cover everything. It's like too much stuff. So we're just like Mm -hmm. just picking out the things that we're particularly excited about. But I was also, you know, we watched um, Sandman a couple weeks and it was so good and I'm a huge fan of the Sandman series. Just like overwhelmingly positive reaction. Like it felt like it was everywhere. Everyone was talking about it. And still they're not sure if they'll get a second season. Yeah. Because of the way, like we don't have a good, I I say we, I don't think streaming services necessarily have a good barometer on what success means, Mm -hmm. not just from like a numbers position, but from like an artistic position, from Mm -hmm. like a, you know, Where's the room for kind of exciting smaller things? Where is the room for this? Because like you get a the cancellation that's canceled girls too. Paper right. girls canceled. Yeah, which that was they're like overwhel- Like I the the reaction to that was overwhelmingly positive. There's it's like the combination of like too much stuff, not enough time to watch it all, and also like the way they measure success is like you better watch it all in two days, or it means right. it didn't do well, and you're like who has. That kind of time. I literally have 45 minutes between when I finally get my kid to bed and when I go to bed, like every night. And that's if I don't have to clean or do something else, you know, then maybe I can sit down and watch something like like, one episode of something like so much pressure on the creators and viewers in order to like, like jokingly, I was like, I'm just going to let my Netflix play Sandman on repeat while I'm doing other things. Right. Because we don't know how they're making these choices. We don't know. Like, they very famously do not share numbers. They don't Mm -hmm. tell creatives, like, why or what. And, like, then you have this, like, stuff happening with HBO where stuff is just, like, gone in, like, a second. It's, like, a very weird time. It is very weird. And in in a way that is overwhelming and frustrating, especially for somebody who really enjoys this type of, I love the fantasy and sci-fi. I love, yeah. you know, I love geek content, but I literally just do not have the time to engage with every piece of it. And that, but now I feel pressure to engage with yeah. it. It will cease to exist. Yeah. And like, that is really overwhelming and shitty and frustrating. And honestly, it's making, it's like making, starting to make me angry because like, I just want to enjoy like, I don't want, if I, like, for example, you and I were talking and I haven't watched, and Disney's a little different because they're such a mega corporation. Yeah. But, like, you and I were talking about, like, She-Hulk, which we'll talk about She-Hulk, but I haven't watched the fourth episode of She-Hulk yet. Um, it, Everybody has been talking about it. I'm really excited to watch it. Just haven't gotten to it yet. And, like, 
it's really frustrating to think that if since I because I did not binge it in the first 24 hours that it was out, maybe my view doesn't, you know what I mean? Or like, I or like stuff like, you know, like, I haven't watched like, the, okay, for example, I haven't watched like, I feel like all my examples are Disney right now, but I haven't watched like Star Wars. Uh, the uh, shorts, the forces mm-hmm. of destiny. Those were, yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. watch those just because like, I just, I for, keep forgetting they exist, frankly. Um, and, but I love that they exist. They focus on female characters. I love that they exist. And I'm like, just because I don't engage with it doesn't mean they shouldn't, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, yeah, it's hard to exist. Like, Disney is a different beast. Disney is don't... a different beast. And so my examples are bad, but it, it is that feeling like if you bring up Paper Girls, if you bring yes. up, you know, a, so many Netflix series or yeah. so many, you know, Peacock just canceled Rutherford Falls um, and they canceled the Save by the Bell reboot, which I am oh my God. still yeah. distraught over. You know, we yeah. love that show. Um, but we just don't have any sense of like what success means anymore. Mm-hmm. And so it's hard to know when you're supposed to engage, how you're supposed to engage. Like Disney, I think their weekly model is clearly working for them. Yeah. And so they'll continue to do it. I bring back weekly TV. Like I'm Disney. Down. Disney's doing, I will say, I guess you say a lot about Disney and the amount of IP they own is frightening. Yes. But uh, like they are, it seems like, it seems like, and we'll see if this bears true, they're okay with some things being smaller. Yes. Like, they're okay with niche, a little bit more niche than some of the, like, well, they're, like, like a, protected. Versus, yeah, like, because they know they have the big stuff versus, like, Netflix, which just cancels everything after, like, two seasons, basically. Yeah, it's interesting, because I put Netflix and, like, Netflix is huge, obviously, but I put, like, Netflix and, like, Peacock and, like, these other streaming services that are exclusively about content, mm-hmm. separate from something like Disney, Disney or Disney that has, yes, yes, you know, I agree. Like, Disney owns, like, parks and all these other yeah. things. Well, like, Peacock is also, retail. like, Comcast Universal, you know what I mean? So, like, it's, That's like, true. yes and no. Like, That's it's hard. True. It's hard. It's hard to – but, like, Netflix is, like, just content. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, that's it. Like, and they've been trying to branch out. Like they've been tr- they tried to do video games for a while, mm-hmm. and they tried to do you know like so. But yeah, it's I don't almost know. Like mega corporations might not be great for art, but who are who we knew? to say? Who knew? Uh, who are we to say? But so all of that being said, <laughs> I am just feeling like a overwhelmed and b like resentful that like like there was somebody who tweeted and fair like I I they don't make the rules, but it was some creator who was like. If you want to support a show that you like on Netflix, like you said, like play it and put it on, like just play it in the background. Yeah, I think I think that was Neil Gaiman. I don't I think it was. I I saw somebody else do it. Definitely, okay. I would have remembered if it was Neil Gaiman. But yes, Neil Gaiman was talking about this issue as well. And I'm like, I don't want that obligation. Like I resent, and it's not the creator's fault at all. But I resent because I don't like the TV on in my house. Like I, I mean, these, that's like, the that's the issue, right? That's yeah. Like I don't like the like tv on in my house i don't like the tv on in the background like the way my brain works yeah that's what it is it's the barometer for success and how there's no understanding of it and so we're in this position of like just put it on repeat because otherwise they might delete my show forever and that's just like yeah anyways okay so that was the tirade now we will get into i will also add my 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 uh my child woke me up at 4 a.m to tell me he didn't want to go to preschool today so uh yeah so i'm also cranky so that did not help the situation (laughs) um okay but let's talk about the stuff we are excited about now okay yes i i didn't put this on the news thing but i want to mention it really quickly before we dive into all this like big brand stuff 
Um, I get a lot of stuff on my TikTok from like South Asian film festivals and mm-hmm. the Chicago South Asian film festival has been posting a lot of like trailers for movies from South Asian creatives. And there are a few that look like very, very funny and very, very smart. But I saw one yesterday for Danny Pudi's movie called running mm-hmm. and it, I don't know when we can watch it. I desperately want to watch this movie. It seems to me it's like about this guy who's like, father passed away and he's sort of trying it's like one of those like sort of semi-autobiographical like comedian movies mm-hmm. but Danny Pudi looks so good in it and it looks so interesting so I just want to point out like check out the Chicago South Asian Film Festival uh TikTok I did not realize that Chicago had its own like South Asian Film Festival I didn't either it just like That's popped up really on my cool. thing okay um, because they're posting all these really exciting trailers and I think it's really neat and yeah you know there's a lot of cool like independent film stuff happening from creators from the diaspora and it would be it's it's nice to support yes we should see if they'll fly us out sometime they're gonna be like we have seven dollars yes they really will um okay so Preeti probably she knew I she knew before this that I was cranky and she put the Star Trek stuff first so I could get excited again um after my rant okay so we got on Star Trek day which was I believe Friday uh it's um who knows how days yeah I don't know how days work anymore Thursday I don't know. It was remember. a few days ago. Yeah. Anyway, Star Trek Day. Um, we got the Star Trek Picard. Oh, it was Thursday. Um, but we got the Star Trek Picard season um season three. Like a teaser. It's still a teaser. It's not a full like two minutes trailer, yeah. but it was like a teaser, but with more plot. Um we 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 know that like Beverly is in some sort of trouble. Yes. Um, and she's kind of the one who was like, you know, I need your help. And uh uh, Seven is in Starfleet. She is on serving. It looks like she's serving on the Titan. But Terry Madalus, who's the showrunner, has made it clear she's not the captain of the Titan. So hmm. I'm not sure. Yeah. So I think she's just the first officer of the Titan. Interesting. So I don't know who the. Uh, but basically, it was a great teaser. I think the season's going to just be yeah. phenomenal, and it's going to make everybody cry a whole lot. Um, and we got a return date of February 16th. And so remember that season three is the last season uh, as Patrick Stewart is only contracted for three seasons. Always was planned as a three season yeah, show. Which is great. So, yeah. Limiting. Yes. Gives us expectations. Yes. I love it. I love everything about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Same. And then the other piece of Star Trek news is that Star Trek Prodigy is returning on October 27th, and that's the back half of season one. Um, they were running into real, like, COVID delays and deadlines mm. for uh, the first half of season one. Like, literally, we were getting the screeners, like, 12 hours before the episode aired. Like, it was bad. Um, so they basically just took a break in mid-season finale and took a break to give, like, the team more time, which I think is such a lovely thing to do. Yes. Um, I'm so glad they did that because I think the final product will be better. The team will be like much less stressed out and more rested. Um, and so, but that's coming back the 27th. And my guess is we'll go to the 27th through like the end of the year, take a break for a month mm-hmm. and then come back with Picard in February. I is my guess is what will happen. That makes sense. Yeah. That and I'm glad, sense. like, I am glad like they gave us a break before between strange new worlds and lower decks um because it was getting like episode of star trek every week doesn't seem like a lot but like when there's all this other like all this other content coming out it just starts feeling like oh my god like 
it's so much. And so no, like the little the little like one month breaks here and there are really nice. I really like the way they're doing the scheduling. So um then of course D twenty three. D23 this weekend. This is another point. We literally cannot cover everything, and so we're not going to. We just it's just too much. So we yes. just picked out some points that we are particularly excited about. Um and so we can start with Star Wars, I think. Yep. They dropped a teaser trailer for The Mandalorian Season 3. Mm-hmm. Which I have not watched. The teaser trailer, I mean. Uh, here's what I can tell you. Hey, hey! Babu Frick is in it. Yes, you did tell me. So part of my thing with trailers is I have misophonia, which is a disorder where like noise ma- some noises make me irrationally angry. So like a lot of times when trailers start and there's like a mm. big boom... I yeah. get like it it causes an emotional reaction to me. And then that's why I get like really actually get the, the amount of content that drops makes me anxious because I don't want to watch like 15 trailers. Mm. So I just don't watch any of them. So that is kind of a little also insight to why like I talk about like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, because I just don't want to watch all these trailers. And so I've decided I'm not going to. I'll do it for us. Yes. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I'm very excited about the Mandalorian season three. Yeah, so it's dropping February 2023. Um, we see a little bit more of like you know he's with Grogu now. They're their own little thing. Bo-Katan shows up, and so I think we're gonna see a lot more lore of Mandalore and the Which history there. You know, you see, you hear Bo-Katan talking about like how the the cult that mm-hmm. Jin was that Din was in. Um impacted Mandalore at large. And so I think it's going to be really interesting and fascinating. I'm excited to see what they do with the story there. Yeah. I think I need to actually go back and rewatch Rebels. And yeah, same. Like, like the Rebels Mandalore stuff because there's so much there that I've just forgotten. And, and, and we'll actually going a little bit out of order because I think this is relevant. Um, you know, we got a lot of Ahsoka stuff at yeah. D23 too. It's biggest, ish, biggest thing I think is that um, biggest point of casting is Iman Esfadi was cast as Ezra Bridger. And he looks exactly like him. Exactly. Oh like I'm so god. excited. Oh my so god. Excited. Like um, yeah, I'm so into it. I'm like so thrilled. He I've I hope he's gonna be great. He certainly looks the part. Um but we have, you know, live action Sabine now who is so such Natasha a Natasha Lou Bordezo, I believe. Bordezo, yeah. Um, is such a big part of the Mandalore history. So I'm yeah. wondering if we're going to see sort of some of that come up at all with, you know, the her connection to the Darksaber, Darksaber. and all of that stuff. Yes. Um, because we did get a still of oh Sabine standing in front of the mural of all of the our favorite rebels. Sh- it basically feels like the Ahsoka is going to pick up, even if it's just like a prologue and then it jumps to like later. It yeah. feels like it's going to pick up right as the rebels ended, like the epilogue, <gasps> right? Plus, um, I would like, and it looks so good that still I would not have known it wasn't straight from the series if yeah. like it hadn't been told. Like it looks so good. It does. It looks really good. I'm. I have like goosebumps thinking about it. I'm yes. so excited because I I'm feel like so we've been, excited about it. How long? How long have we been asking? Where's Ezra? I know. Where's like, Ezra? And, and I will. I will. I will. Disclaimer that I'll, like there is like a real divide in Star Wars fandom right now. Some people love like that we are following the thread. I know. Some people hate it. I think both. Whatever. Valid. I think it's absolutely valid if you like don't totally. like the connectedness of it. But like that's not us and that's not what we're gonna cover. We love it. Um I, I so just like, you know, 
It is what That's, it is. Yeah, here's don't listen. The, you, you, we are fine if you like disagree with us and don't listen. Here's here's the thing that I'm gonna say. Uh, I think we've what it's that. Uh, just scroll, just scroll on by. Yep, if it's an yep. opinion that doesn't isn't about you that you're not into that you're not interested in, just keep scrolling. Yeah, that's what I do. Yeah, that's it's so easy. It is, uh, but it's we 100%. are we are excited about it. So excited, um, and so it'll be interesting to see how this all this Mandalore stuff comes together. All the like Ezra stuff uh, comes together because I am gonna gun for my dream casting of Matthew Good as Thrawn. I think oh, he would be he would be so good. He would be so good. Yeah, he you're would right. Be so good, but I don't know who they're gonna cast. I have yeah. no idea. Whoever it is, the casting. Between Ezra and um, Sabine so far, I'm excited about. So we'll see. Um, we also got a teaser. We got a new trailer for Andor, but that starts mm-hmm. in like nine oh. days. So yeah. Whatever. Yes, it looks good. Yes. I mean, what more do you want from me? Like, <laughs> it yes. looks good. Um, and then we got this trailer for Tales of the Jedi, which is an yes. animated. I was not expecting. Thing. I mean, I'd heard of the series, but I was not expecting the series to be this compelling, especially because it's shorts, which I don't usually watch. Yeah, so it's shorts of, like, various Jedi in points of their instruction, it looks like, almost. So we have younger Dooku, we have, like, Anakin training Ahsoka, we have Mm Qui-Gon. Like, it looks awesome, and it drops October 26th, which is far sooner than I was anticipating. Um, It just looks so good. It looks yeah, it really does look good. really good. It looks really good. I mean, they um, just know that era really, really yes. well, and they know how to give us really – even if the, the story, as always, like the story is what the story is, but the character stuff can be so strong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree. Can I bring up one Star Trek thing I forgot? Yes. Um, I forgot to mention that Strange New World has a new chief engineer um, in season two, and it is Carol Kane. Oh right! Like, I did see this. Like, first of all, like, love it. Okay, it's genius on multiple levels. Um, and they've said like the character is gonna like lean into like Carol Kane's because Carol Kane's so funny. Um, f- first, the, it's it's a genius on multiple levels, but it's also fucking putting. She's seventy years old, and like a seventy-year-old woman in like one of the like main roles of Star. Trek, I I just, I love this franchise. I love it. I love it. No, that's um, awesome. I'm so I love, happy. I love I'm that so Carol happy. Kane is is doing that it's so good i love her okay uh, anyway sorry okay so then do- we we i think that's all star wars that that's we're all the star wars I think, there's, I think there's like yeah. a ton of other stuff but like yeah there's the dude law series but like i just it's okay and yeah, then we have um marvel so again lots of stuff coming out of marvel the okay. thing i was i think most excited about was seeing uh all the cast of the marvel show up on stage and how excited and just like sweet it was to see these women on stage together. You know, mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. saw footage there. They didn't release the footage online, but it the way they described it is like makes it sound it's basically like every time they use their powers between Monica Rambo, uh Carol and Kamala, they switch places. Mhm. And so it sounds like lots of hijinks to me, which yes. I'm very excited about. I guess oh. there are- Okay, so yeah. that's the end of Miss Marvel. Okay. Yes. So that's the the end cap of Miss Marvel is when Kamala uses like there something happens and then all of a sudden she and Carol clearly we know now have swapped places because Carol ends up in Kamala's bedroom. 
Um, so we know that the Khan family is back, which I'm also very excited about. So we'll get to see Yusuf and Muniba and Amir and all of that. Um, and it just sounds like it's going to be really fun. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, right? that's yeah. Um, of course, we have my boy, Charlie Cox. Yes. There. Okay, so I didn't watch this part. You, okay, so explain to me the your note that says it's definitely a season one. So this is, uh, Charlie Cox gave an interview where he mm-hmm. said this, he very clearly stated this is not season four of the Netflix Dare- Daredevil series. This is season one of okay. Daredevil. So they're so just carrying me, over the actor, but it's... That's what it sounds like. It's not necessarily the same. I think he, both he and Vincent D'Onofrio were there because Vincent D'Onofrio is also going to be on Echo, which also looks very good um, because we remember there's a lot going on in uh, Hawkeye with Echo and Kingpin mm-hmm. and how involved mm-hmm. all of that. I would be curious to see if Kate Bishop shows up, but we'll see. Um mm-hmm. But yeah, so Daredevil, it's like, I think we mentioned this when they announced it at Comic-Con, I want to say, but it's the longest series. It's 18 episodes, which they haven't, they they are just thinking about starting production. I think like production is starting next year, I want to say on it. So we're a ways out from the actual release. But Daredevil has significant presence in uh, She-Hulk, which is coming in the next few episodes, obviously, because they dropped like a She-Hulk Daredevil teaser. I'm so excited. I'm so excited to see Charlie Cox back as Matt Murdock. I just love Charlie Cox (laughs) so much. Can't even tell you. Um, So then we also got the very, very big news that Kihei Kwan is joining Loki season two. (gasps) Mm -hmm. I know we didn't talk about- So exciting. Everything Everywhere All at Once on this podcast. I think I might have mentioned I watched it. I have not like, seen it yet. It's I'm just so thrilled he's he's this is happening for him. I'm like yeah. so excited. Um because of course we also got that wonderful photo of him and Harrison Ford uh backstage yeah. at D23, which is we were like, joking. Breathing and I were talking about this. I was like, I have never I I don't think I've ever seen Harrison Ford that like, like you could tell he's genuinely happy. Yeah, literally the happiest we've seen Harrison Ford in like 20 years. Like the yeah. the mm-hmm. biggest smile I've seen on his face in decades. Yeah, um, it's very very cute. We also found out that Matt Shackman from Wandavision is directing Fantastic Four. Could be very yes, exciting. which he was previously committed to the fourth Star Trek Chris Pine Kelvin verse movie and dropped out of that to take Fantastic Four, which leaves that movie without a director in in limbo once again. They <laughs> finally got the whole cast signed on and we're moving forward with that goddamn movie, which I really want to see because I do really like that cast. And then stupid Reed fucking Richards, who I find so boring. Boy, <laughs> my movie. Hopefully, it'll be really cool casting. <laughs> Reed Richards, you're ruining my life. <laughs> you don't even need Damn like the Reed evil Richards. Reed Richards. It's just I Reed know. Richards. Just Reed Richards. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we are very excited about that. And then oh, I, think I, know, gonna, I am genuinely yeah, excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you're going to talk about... I, I was excited about I don't actually know that much about it as Marvel's Midnight Suns, which it is a cool. like... It looks cool. It's a video game. I honestly like don't know enough about it to even talk about it coherently. It just looks really cool. Mm-hmm. A lot of like legacy characters you can play. Um, and it's coming out actually like this Christmas, I think. I think it's coming out soon. It is soon because they dropped a um, teaser for it a couple... Like probably around Comic-Con, I think. 
Um, and yeah. I think we may have very briefly mentioned it in a Comic-Con news roundup. And mm-hmm. I feel like it came out of nowhere. But, like, like I was like, soon. what? Right. Like, I've been waiting for Gotham Knights for, like, for, three, like three years. years. And then this, like, I was just like, wait, what? And so I'm like, really excited. For so long, they were talking about, like, the Marvel Avengers video game. Like, that felt like the thing we were waiting for forever. Mm-hmm. And then it came out mm-hmm. and, like, fine. And then this one just, I feel like they were, like, secretly working on it. Yeah. This is, like, the game that everybody <laughs> hoped, of, I think, Marvel's Avengers would be. Um, or at least seems like it. We'll see. I don't know. But I would definitely be playing it. I'm really excited about it. So Yeah, um, it looks just cool. Just wanted to highlight that. Um, and uh, finally, um, a non uh, – the last thing from Disney. I'll let you take this one. Or no, there's two more things. I'll let you take Yeah, there's, there's like a – there's two more things. And so I've, obviously they did a lot of animation stuff. They had like Pixar and all their various studios. And we're just going to highlight two of the things, one of which is the Percy Jackson teaser. I'm Mm -hmm. so excited for this and I really it's very short it's just Percy sort of narrating what it's like like to be you know part human part to be a demigod essentially and it's straight from the books and it's it's over a shot of him coming into Camp Half-Blood and seeing Mm -hmm. uh, the Poseidon cabin for the first time it Mm -hmm. look the the feel of it feels awesome the kids seem like they're gonna be great all the cast was there so all the kids were there uh, it just looks really cute. And I know Rick Riordan has been saying that they're trying to get Disney to commit to, like, one book per season. Yeah. And so it'll be five seasons, and we'll get to see the kids, like, kind of grow up with the characters in the same way we did with the books. It, it sounds yeah. awesome. It looks really cool, and I really like that they're leaning into kind of a darker vision for the – based on the teaser. Like, a little bit of a darker vision for this series than I was – the books are dark. Um, they are. And yeah, they're middle grade books, but they are dark. And they're, they're couched um, in like dad jokes, but they are. there's so much depth and like darkness to them because of the stories. And this trailer was like dark and I appreciated that. Like I think um, in a way that kids can handle, but like, yeah, mm-hmm. no, I, I think it looks really good. I'm definitely It looks intrigued. really good. Uh, and then the very last thing from D23 I just want to mention is they released a teaser for The Little Mary, The Little Mermaid. Um it looks so good. Mm-hmm. She sounds, I saw this. Yeah, she sounds really good. She sounds amazing. Like they do a part of this world, which is the best um, Little Mermaid song, I mm-hmm. think. Um, but Halle Bailey sounds like she just looks like Ariel. She sounds like Ariel. It it was so. It, it was just beautiful. I'm so excited for this movie. Yeah, I think it'll be good. I think it'll be one of the few good live actions. Well, yeah, one of the, I was just going to say, like, one of the few live actions I'm actually genuinely very excited about is this yeah. one. It just, ugh, my heart, like, I got, like, goosebumps when they showed the clip of her singing. Like, somebody, I know this is bad, but, like, someone recorded the whole thing. Yeah. And so we, you got to see, like, a significant portion of her in the, like, her little cave with, with her doodads. It's so good. I'm so excited. And I think that's uh, all the news. Yeah, I think oh. that's all. That's all you want to talk about, at least. Um, it's a lot. Um, okay, so this episode, we're going to tell, we don't really talk about what we're going to talk about this episode. Oh, right. We're going to talk about She-Hulk, uh, episodes one through three, very briefly, just to, like, talk about it, because I, I haven't seen episode four, and also um, the main point of the episode is to talk about Rings of Power, episodes mm-hmm. one through three, which uh, is a show we are both enjoying and i should add that we're both we're if you follow the ac geek girls account you've probably seen the utter chaos on friday evenings 8 p.m yep. eastern time we are 
both live tweeting, individually live tweeting, both from the Daisy Geek Girls account, <laughs> Rings of Power at 8 p.m. every Friday, 8 p.m. Eastern. And so um, it's been a lot of fun, actually. It has um, been a lot of fun. We're with like um, nerds of color, geeks of color, black girl, black nerds create. And so it's just been like a real joy to hang out yes, with people yeah. and, and get really enjoy nerdy. the show. Um, but first, I think the She-Hulk thing is going to be pretty quick. Like yeah. it's it's very it's, fun. It's a good show. I really like it. Um, I know you and I talked about a little bit before we saw the show with um, – with, uh, what is her – oh, my God. Why am I blanking on her name? Who? Uh, Tatiana Maslany. Oh, oh my God. Uh, uh, like, like this is like – yeah. For, toddler woke me up at 4 a.m y'all sorry um Tatiana Maslany's casting we were like I wish they'd cast somebody a little bit yes. bigger but now with the storyline and the like undercurrent of like I can control my because like I know what it's like living as a woman you're scared all the time like I am I I really um I'm it makes sense that they cast somebody a little more diminutive in stature yeah I yes I agree um to an extent. I still think it could have worked with someone who was more, like, in line with what Jen Walters is mm-hmm. in the comics. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that doesn't necessarily – like, I, I, it's an easy visual reminder, mm-hmm. even though that exists for all women of all sizes, of all, like, everything, yes. right? Um, but it is an easy visual reminder on screen – it's it's a tool they can use exactly to to drive it home exactly um, that's yeah that said yeah I think the show is really fun I love the fourth wall breaking I love there was like a line in the third one at the end where she's like bridging the B plot and the C plot nice I was like I love that <laughs> so there's just I just feel like everyone's having it's my favorite kind of like uh, comic book thing which is just everyone seems like they're having a good time yeah i agree i think it's a lot of fun um i i love that wong is showing up wongers Um, i love it i uh i i i'm really excited to see episode four because i've heard so many good things about like so good madison with a y but it's not where you think i love Um, it so much No, I'm I like, can't wait for why? you to watch it. Oh, okay, Both. okay. I do know where the why is. Okay, because I've seen it spelled <laughs> out. Okay. Um, no, I'm excited, but just like, just generally, we're really enjoying the show, and I'm, 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 I'm really appreciate uh, that Marvel is uh, trying different things with the tones right. in each of their shows. So yeah, you know, like they're they're letting some experimentation happen. We'll see. I think there is a tendency for these uh, Marvel shows where it gets tripped up towards the latter half because of that interconnectivity. They have to tie it in. So we'll see, like, if they can – I think Ms. Marvel nailed the landing in a way that some of the other shows haven't. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm excited to see, like, how they handle it. I have a lot of faith in them because the writers clearly are like, we know what this show is. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, we'll see. Well, more to come, I think, on Mm She-Hulk. Um. Yes. So let's start with Rings of Power. Um, I I think we're going to go straight into spoilers. So we're talking about episodes one through three, everything that's mm-hmm. aired so far. Um, 
I really like it. I have some like things I don't love and some things that are just like, you know, some like quibbles. But generally I like it. Set up that Mm -hmm. you are, you know this shit. You know it really well. I'm a Lord of the Rings, like I nerd. I've read the Silmarillion. I've read the appendices. I haven't read all of it, I will say. I haven't read like the some of the unfinished tales. I haven't read like I but I've read the Silmarillion. I've read Lord of the Rings. I have a lot of familiarity with like the appendices and stuff like that. And like maps of Middle Earth. I like know where stuff is located. Um, so yeah, I come to this from a place of lore, and that is my engagement a lot of ways with this series. Um, whereas whereas you come to it from a different place. I love the movies. Mm-hmm. I love Lord of the Rings movies. I read the books in high school, and I think I had to read them in college also for a class. Um, so I have read the series mm-hmm. like over a decade ago. I read The Hobbit. I have I tried the similar like oh, it's, literally it's, to the point where I I'm not confident in saying the title out loud. Silmarillion. Yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not good. It's not something I recommend people actually read. It's not good. All I really remember is that it was a lot of begetting. Yes. It was a lot of like begetting. And I was like, I don't, this is not for me. It's basically like a Bible, but for Middle Earth. Like the actual Bible, not like a Bible, but like the actual Bible. Actually, for Middle Earth. Because I love religious fiction. Yeah. I love reading like, stories that are pulled from the bible and then put into a narrative that's exactly like i feel like the silmarillion is the bible because it is like it's a religious text yeah for this world so yeah it's very fun because we're coming at it from two very different not perspectives because i think we both really really love it but bringing something different to the conversation yeah and, and i think as a more that- casual viewer <laughs> And I think in that you and I are going to disagree maybe more than we do Probably. normally. And, you know, because, like, I think some of the things you love are the things I'm like, <laughs> so, okay, well, let's, let's get into it. Yeah, How do we want to talk it. about this? Do we want to talk about the different groupings of characters? Because there's, like, basically, like, maybe four main plot lines. We kind of want to talk about each plot line separately. Yeah, I think so. Because I think I it's think... too hard to go through episode by episode because frankly, I, agree. I don't remember. I agree. So let's start with the main, because we start with Galadriel, um, mm-hmm. who I was, you and I were both very, like, mm, about her casting, but I will say she is excellent. Yeah, it's Morphid Clark. Yeah. Um, she is very good. It, it is kind of funny, because it's like, how do you, it's Kate Blanchett, like, how do you, mm-hmm. how, how do you mm-hmm. step into those shoes? Um, she's, there is, she is like a very closed mouth talker, I have yes. noticed, which is a, yes. kind of funny. Um, so I try not to focus on that too much, but she is very, very, very good in the role. Yeah. Like really, really enjoying her. Um, and the way she is, the way she is, the both with the writing and the way she is acting, I can see the threads from this Galadriel to Kate Blanchett's in. Yes, I agree. The movies, but um, so she is basically on like she like she was born in Valinor. Unlike, mm-hmm. you know, like Elrond and like who who was born in Middle Earth, she is like one of the like uh elves who saw the fall of Valinor and like basically fled to Middle Earth. And um so she has that like longing for home. And um, but her brother was murdered in that war with uh Morgoth. Yep. And so she is hunting basically to the ends of the earth, Sauron, because he is like kind of the last fought, like last, like, you know, leader 
of that group, as far as I know, the last, like, the last, like, Morgoth's first lieutenant, last, Mm -hmm. you know, thread of that evil, and she's, like, hunting him to the ends of the earth, and she basically almost finds him, it seems like, we don't really know how close she gets, but she finds his, like, fortress in the north, which is north of, like, Linden, um, the capital of the elves, I think, and, um, uh, yeah, her company basically mutinies i don't know if mutiny is the right word well it's, it's not is, a ship she is convinced it's over or it's yeah. not over it's she not is, over she is one of the only people only elves who's convinced that this is not finished and, and it's been centuries and it's been centuries and all the other elves are like yeah we're good we're let's good go home. let's go home the the who is the king king a uh, gilgalad 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 is like, we're, we're at times of peace. And literally Galadriel turns into the Leslie Nope, like angry face meme. It's so funny. Yeah. Uh, but she, so they all are like, let it go, be at peace because this is done. But you have Galadriel who like gut instinct, you know, is telling her that it's not finished. Mm-hmm. But so basically her entire company turns against her and is like, we're going home. If you keep pursuing this you're going alone yep um but while she's in the fortress she uncovers a weird mark that she believes is the mark of sauron it's the same mark that she found on her brother's body so yep. she thinks that's a mark of sauron which is how she knows yeah she thinks it's like him. a sigil yeah um and then she uh they basically she follows her people home because she doesn't have a choice basically because um she can't do it alone or maybe i don't know maybe she could but she chooses not to she chooses not to she like go she she after they find this thing and even though they're like this is this can't be what you think it means she goes back to gilgalad where she meet (laughs) can we talk about elrond's introduction really quickly because it was the exact introduction we have to Romeo in 1996's Romeo and Juliet. Oh my God. Where he's like sitting and like artfully writing down poetry. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> of course you would this, know that. This was my reaction to watching the show. <laughs> but oh Elrond God. is of course like their friends. Mm-hmm. He, so Maybe Galadriel, something more. There was a lot of fondness in that first like meeting. Lots of fondness. Uh, although, so he meets with Galadriel and she's still like, I am here to ask to continue to pursue this. M- pursue this. And he is the first one who's like, oh, you can try, but like pretty sure we're good. Like they're, this is not something they want. Like nobody wants to continue doing this. And he has a hand, I think, in convincing her well, to and let I it think- go. We find out later, jumping ahead a little bit, that, like, he basically lies to her Mm -hmm. and is, like, he feels very, like, weird about using their friendship in order to do what... Elrond is clearly, like, a politician in training. Right? And he is, like, he wants to be the next Gil-Galad or whatever. Like, he wants to be a leader of his people. And so he is, like, he's, like, he's starting the process of moving the pawns. Mm-hmm. Uh, we continue to see him do in the movies um but it was super interesting to watch him manipulate her a little bit yeah i mean it's who we know elrond will yeah. eventually become and right? it's not like evil it's not because he thinks he's doing what's best but it's like and a, everybody like they people genuinely think that it's all in her head it's not like they know there's an issue and are just like you know like willfully ignoring it like they genuinely right. believe 
to th- coming from a place I think of hubris, which we know, yes. which the we elves know, have. The elves we have, know yeah. that it's an issue. Um, but yeah, they genuinely do like believe it's over. Mm-hmm. And um, and and yeah. so um, basically, Elrond says, "Meet with the High King, and mm-hmm. if you still feel the same way after, I will take it." I will go with you to see him, basically. I will set yes. up the meeting you want. I will advocate for you. But go see the High King. And basically, in the meeting with the High King, it's her and all her uh, all her company. And he reveals that they have been granted passage back to Valinor. Basically, mm-hmm. the Undying Lands. It's, you know, like, Linden is the capital of the elves in this part of Middle-earth. It's where the Grey Havens from the end of the movies are located. So it is, like, basically the only passage from Middle-earth to Valinor. And um, so, yeah. So Gilgalad, t- and I think, like, it's kind of the threat has already been set that all she mm-hmm. wants to do is return home. Like, she dreams of home. She aches for home. Yeah. So she gets this, she's presented with this chance and all she has to do is keep her mouth shut. Yeah. So she does. So she does. Um, And then, so she gets on the boat. She gets on the boat. There is... A very, very odd sequence of them all just robing into their nightgowns. Yep. Into their linen shifts, as we might say in a fantasy book. And um, um, as Preeti pointed out, they all, like, burst out into song. Oh, yeah. I was like... But, like, Galadriel doesn't sing, so it very much was like, how does everyone know the words to this? Um, like they're all like spontaneously like overcome with this urge to sing, which I guess like is a thing when you go to Valinor, like remembering the words that you didn't know you knew the remembering a song you didn't know you knew the words to or something like that. Listen, we're we're from a culture of Bollywood. I yes, get we're it. fine with it. It's um, fine. So, um, and like there's no coming back from Valinor. That's the big thing. Like it's the Undying Lands. It's not honestly clear whether it's dying or not like it's it's like it's like it's like it, i feel like it is dying like i feel like it is like an like moving on to an afterlife um yes and the the presentation of it in the show doesn't do anything to dispel that myth because there's really like a curtain that opens and mm-hmm. like song and light um and galadriel jumps off the boat yeah, she's like, no, nope, I'm out. Nope, I don't, I don't want this. Nope, nope, not for I me. I don't want not this. Um, and then she drops in the sea, and that's how I think the first episode ends. Yeah, she jumps um, off the boat. Yeah, 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 and drops into the sea. Yeah, I think we do just follow the character thread. Yeah, and we'll come back and go to the I other think pieces. So. Uh, so Galadriel like drops into the sea. She swims. She finds this like uh, shipwrecked raft thing. Yeah happening with a bunch of humans she gets on like one of the women saves her thinking she's human uh and then when they find out she's an elf they're all like boo hiss sort of yes yeah it shows a lot of the animosity like a lot of the show is is like highlighting some animosity between humans and elves yeah which in the lord of the rings show the lord of the rings show the movies (laughs) the elves are seen as these like mythic almost mythical creatures that like keep to themselves and are in a kind of isolation and like yeah. you know it's like there's not really animosity it's just like we live separate lives and like yeah. some people revere the elves some people don't but in this show the elves are very much in everybody's business yeah and telling everybody what to do in a lot of cases and there's a lot of and some centuries of that have been going on and there is a lot of resentment of the elves mhm um it is Probably some of that hubris. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, some of the judgment. Some of the we'll judgment. get to it later. But there's a there's a there's a really good line about like the elves being just like very judgy. Yep, um, and very accurate. <laughs> uh, so she like gets on this boat. There's some like drama with a with a monster, and and this is of course where we meet Halbrand for yes. the first time. Who I adore. Halbrand? I love Halbrand. I love Halbrand. Uh, also, this is a point I just want to say aside. Everyone on this show is like too hot. Everyone yeah. is too hot. Like what? The Everyone's chemistry so between him and Galadriel is right? like right. Off. I thought of Bronwyn and Aaron Deer, but no, these two are like it's <laughs> off the charts. This, okay. is, this is where it is. Yeah. Um. And so he immediately like someone falls overboard, and he immediately jumps in to save them. So showing he has. This he's like proto Aragorn, you know. He has. He like, is, and it's interesting hero. because he's like definitely like a little bit of a rogue. Oh, because yeah. um, I was thinking well, like, is he is he Aragorn? He's is not. He, is he is he like an Aragorn clone? Because as we'll talk about, we learn a lot. Is he just like a cheap copy of Aragorn? Because as we learn later, there are a lot of similarities. There but are. Aragorn wears the weight and the burden of his yes. legacy. Like it is like to his core. How brand I he, he does he does bear the br- weight and the burden he does yes. but should we w- talk about this later when we get to like let's yeah let's legacy? let's hold okay. on let's it pause on that but I want to talk about why I don't feel like I do feel like the two characters are different I think when I say proto Aragorn that's what I mean though yeah he is Aragorn without the the life experience and the history that makes Aragorn Aragorn yeah right like he is he is that so but mm-hmm. we will get to that yes um but basically so then a lot of stuff happens they and they also then lose this raft because of a monster some i don't know some sort of sea serpent I don't some know. kind of sea serpent yeah um and get picked up by another boat mhm mhm uh and they that's like at the end of the second episode and then the third episode opens with them on this boat being in what do you Yeah. Well in Halbron too, like Galadriel like falls overboard at one point and is going to die and Halbron yeah. goes after her and yes. like saves her. And that's when she realizes maybe there's more to this guy than mm-hmm. just like some dickish human. Like, you know. Um, but yeah, they get saved by like a ship and it's unclear what ship, but like I immediately, my mind immediately went, that's got to be Numenor because they're in the middle of the sea. There's not much out there. My mind did not. <laughs> yeah. My mind, like there's not much out there. And Numenor is basically a, a huge island kingdom in between Valinor and Middle Earth. And so I was like, I saw the sails and the nice sails of the ship. I'm like, that's, that's a Numenor ship. And we do, we do find out. Well, yeah. So Galadriel, they pull Galadriel and Halbrand out from under the deck. And there's this extremely handsome captain. Yes. Like everyone's looking at her with like major suspicion. Like there's clearly like everyone finds her to be very shady. Uh, And then the captain shows up and she's like, what ship is this? Where are we going? And he's like, we're going home. He's very like elusive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they come up, and it's the stunning visual of coming through the just like you can see where the money for the series went. You can see why yes. this is the most expensive series. It's beautiful. It is beautiful, stunning. Um, and then he, she's like, "Oh, we're in Numenor. We've got to be in Numenor." Do you so, want to give a brief? Back- yes. Well, here's okay. a question. So, like, I got it. Like, I don't know. I don't know no, that I don't stuff. think you need to know. I don't think you need to know any more than But is there anything, you. yeah, is there anything that would add depth? I think the only thing is um, understanding that Elrond and his brother, uh, not Elnor. 
El Ross. Oh, hot, hot emo El brother. They they discuss it later on in the series. Are both half elven. Elrond chose to be an elf, like chose an elven way of life. His brother chose a human way of life and founded Numenor. Wait. Yeah. That's what? why you know. Okay. Okay. We'll get to that. Okay. Let's. Let's. Yeah. What? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> no, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Okay. I didn't realize you didn't know this. Okay. So um. So let's let's go ahead and just talk about the the courtroom scene. Uh. Or yeah. So the throne room scene. The throne room scene. So they're brought into um. There's a lot of like awkwardness. We we Galadriel gives us like a brief recap of like Numenor was this. Uh, city founded by the humans who stood with the elves against Morgoth. Um, the elves gave them all these gifts. So there was like this great partnership and then there wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's been many, 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 many years since Numenor has welcomed elves. Welcomed elves, essentially. So, and it's gone to the point where like, we don't know the things that they haven't told us yet or why, because like Galadriel's like, we don't know why Numenor closed, like elves used to be welcome here and we don't know why they're not anymore Mm -hmm. so that is like we don't know what changed um but it's not just like hostility it's like open hate yeah it's very because she has no idea yeah like they basically tell her you're not leaving here and also we might kill you you know we have this like great throne room scene right which the queen i don't remember the actress who plays cynthia adai robinson which i should say a side note she is like very good friends with my brother oh (laughs) Cool. I know, right? So I'm like going to be particularly kind, but I don't have to be because you she don't have is to be. She's very, fantastic. Very good. I didn't know that when I was just saying this. She is so good, and she gives you a lot of. And it's a hard role to play yes. because we are inclined, as having seen the story so far through Galadriel's eyes and knowing her from the other movies, we're inclined mm-hmm. to like be like, "All oh, like, go Galadriel. You're being mean to her. Like, fuck off." But like, no, she, she. She brings such a, like, she brings such a presence, A, that rivals Galadriel's, which is hard to do. And then also just, like, like, I don't know. Like, she just, the way she plays it, like, you can, I can be like, all right, you're right. The elves are judgy. I don't blame you. They handle the, the, the it's a showdown, essentially, uh, between the Queen Regent Mariel Mm -hmm. and Galadriel, uh, where you have these two women who believe in what they're doing who have this like uh weight on their shoulders of expectation whether it's galadriel's own expectation of herself to save the world yeah or muriel who is literally leading all of these people who have this understanding of how elves work and what an elf could mean for numenor um and so you do get to see sort of like galadriel does not react well no and it's funny because how brand do you expect from what you know of him so far to be like he to be the one going in there like all brash and like i'm just gonna show my swagger and show these guys and no she's the one who's like playing like to me like he's the one I might disagree with you, I think. Okay, okay, bit. okay. Because I don't think Halbrand gave us that at all, I think. Because I didn't know who he was. Like, okay. I have no... Well, I don't know I, either. Like, I yeah. didn't know either, but... I didn't... So, like, the way he's... They've written him thus far, he p- keeps everything very yes. close to the chest, right? He's very, like, careful. Like, he was not immediately up for, like, Galadriel being on this sh- thing with them when they found her in the sea. He was not, like, he is a very, like, uh, see-which-way-the-wind-blows kind of person yeah. is how it felt. And so when he steps into there with her, he's sort of like, B, 
be cautious. We yeah. need to be cautious. And Galadriel's like, screw that. Yeah. <laughs> we know what I need. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. I read him a little bit more and I was wrong, clearly, as like, like, fuck off, I do what I want. And I think I was, I think I was wrong with that impression because mm-hmm. your your read of it is clearly right. But I was very surprised that like, and then he goes in and is like, like him and the queen and Galadriel are about to like, I don't know. It felt like they were going to come to blows. Yes, like. it did. It did. And he's like, let us be guests in Numenor for a while and figure th- as we figure this out. Like mm-hmm. he like he like you know, like calms everybody down a little bit. And um, him and Galadriel have a really nice uh, moment leaving the throne room where she's like, I don't want to stay here. He's like, I do. This could be a new future for me. Yeah. And I need you to play nice because this could mean a lot for me. And she like, she's left speechless, which you don't often see. And I really mm-hmm. like that. It was a really nice moment, really like good, like romantic tension moment. Um, between yes. them. And it's showing sort of what the big divide is between, you know, we saw Galadriel's perspective on how she said Numenor came to be, which is that the elves gave this to the Mm -hmm. humans. It's a very like, you know, uh, we are above them in the hierarchy sort of perspective. Mm -hmm. And the queen is like, you didn't give us anything. We, we stood this. with you. We yeah. earned this. We earned, We paid for it with blood, I think she says. Yes. Um, and so there is just this divide between how the elves see themselves and how humans are unwilling to participate in the, some humans are will, unwilling to participate in that way with them. Yes. And like, it's interesting a little bit later because the queen goes into a room by herself to talk to her father who we don't see on screen. So we don't know if she's actually talking to her father or her father's We're assuming. dead yeah. or, but she's like father, like, or like whatever. But she says like, father, the thing we fear has come to pass. The elf has come. The elf. (laughs) The elf has come. And this all means like, what prophecy do we not know about? Because there's going to, this, like, and it could be something in lore that I don't know about, but I don't think so. I don't remember there being any prophecy about the fall of Numenor. But my guess is there's some sort of prophecy that once, like, once they welcome an elf onto their shores or whatever, that there is, that Numenor is going to fall, which is why uh, they closed I my guess is that's the reason they closed their shores to elves. It's it's hard because we're assuming that it's her father. I don't know if she says does she say the word father? Yes, okay. she does say father, yeah. Because what we had heard previously, so Ellen Deal talks about the king. Yes, and by and the way, the captain is Ellen Deal, which sorry, we find yes. out. Yes, father Ellen Deal uh, is the captain. Father and Isildur. Oh yeah, that was a good reveal though. Oh yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, everybody who's listening to I know, knows, I know, I know. Has watched the episode. So. Um, but Ellen Deal mentions that, you know, uh the king she's the regent because they they removed the king from power because he wants to go back to the um connection between the elves and humans. Was he, that her father that he yeah. was talking about I thought he was talking okay interesting I thought he was talking about the king of his own region but that would make sense oh. okay yeah no so I don't because he mentions he's in a tower and then we see um Muriel go up into that tower yeah okay I think you're right I think I misinterpreted that um because I thought he was talking about the king of his like because he says that there's a lot of people who love elves in his area of Numenor 
um, still, but uh, you know, I think you're right. I think you're right. So they removed the king. So that would mean that the king was still there, I guess. Um, yeah. So like, we don't, we just don't know. We don't know what kind of what the situation is, but yeah. she does. But so, um, yeah. So Ellen Deal is assigned basically to keep track of Galadriel. Okay, well, here's a question because that, yeah, no, that was a very weird scene, right? Scene. It was a weird Ooh, scene. I, I thought he was going to be charged with killing her. Well, that's my question, right? Is that we have this scene with Muriel and Ellen Deal where she's very suspicious. Like, why? You know, she's like, Ellen Deal, like, what does your name mean? And he says something about stars. And she's like, but there's another meaning. Friends of the elf or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's like very like, why? Like her yes. clearly, like she mentions treason. Like there's this like. It's she's very, manipulating like, him into something. She's manipulating him into something. And there is this like reminder of like how bad it is. Mm-hmm. And he was just like, I did what I thought was best. They have this idea, you know, the sea brought her to me and the sea is always right. Yeah. Um, and he thought it was the right thing to bring her into Numenor. And it's clearly like really throw Muriel. And then she does do this thing where it's basically like asking him for proof or something along those lines. She's and like, then you if, see the sword. Yeah, she's like, I need you to do if that's true. He's like, I just thought, you know, I did what was best and for the for Numenor. And she's like, if that's true, I need you to perform a service for me. Right. And then the, it cuts and then you see a sword and then it move to the next scene the implication is it's a very like i need you to take care of the problem yes right like it's very much that so but so i don't know what to believe i feel like we're being fed maybe information as truth that is not truth i think there is a game that we're not seeing i agree completely i think there's a lot of things we don't know yet right but Regardless, Ellen Deal tells Galadriel that, like, he knows he like speaks Elvish to her uh-huh. and tells him, like, in my part of the, um, in my part of uh, Numenor, we still are friends to the elves. We speak Elvish. We learn it in our schools, and so she's and he's like, and we have an elven library started by Elros himself. Um, and she says, "Take me there." So they go and they ride a horse, and like it's like when it, like watching her ride a horse, she's like almost giddy with happiness and it's really sweet to see it's interesting i'm i'm struggling a little bit with like he so ellen deal very much like galadriel looks young she yeah. looks like a young woman and ellen deal is a father as we've said he and he compares her to his children yeah and i was like i get it like you're looking at this young woman and you're speaking to her in a way and she's like uh don't do that yeah like i am eight thousand years older than you yeah and then he mentions the horse and she's like oh but with a pony though (laughs) it was just like this this kind of strange moment where i was like it feels like you guys got this sweet little bit in but a little bit to the detriment of the reminder of like you can't treat elves in the same context of a human life lifespan because That's right. Uh, it was just an interesting thing that I picked up on that I was like, I, I get it, but. Mm. <laughs> um, and but then they go to wherever Ellen Deal's from and uh, she finds the Room of Scrolls, which is very, very reminiscent of the Room of Scrolls in Minas Tirith at the mm-hmm. beginning where Gandalf goes to research the One yeah. Ring. So like, yes. there's like the architecture is the same. The placement of the scrolls is the same. Like it's very, and clearly that happens again and again. It's clear that Minas Tirith was based, everything in Minas Tirith was based on this like capital city of Numenor yes. and like 
it's it's just very cool to see but um and so she they have a conversation and here this is where we'll talk about it she's like you didn't tell me elros himself um like founded this library and you know and so ellen deal's like oh i guess I, I guess you knew him and she's like yeah but i knew his brother better and you see a picture of someone we don't know and El- clue who is clearly elrond mm-hmm. or painting of the two of them on the wall so yeah elros and elrond are brothers um they're both half elven. Like, I didn't know that. Yeah, so they're both half elven. Is that like common knowledge? Oh, uh, no. Uh, okay. No, 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 no. I don't think so. I mean, I don't think so. I know it, but like, I would not say that it is ever referenced in Lord of the Rings. Yeah, that's my question. Um. Well, yes and no. There's implications of uh, that's ever referenced in like Lord of the Rings and movies. When I say Lord of the Rings generally, I mean the movies, not the books. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. most, a lot of what I know is from the appendices, but pff, who has uh-huh. this? So, um, yeah, so they're both half elven, and Elrond chose, chooses an elvish way of life. Uh, Elros chooses a, um, to be a human, like, a mortal. They, they're allowed to choose, so Elros, Elros chooses to be mortal. He's the first king of Numenor. He is the line of kings, descends from him. That is why Aragorn is welcome in Rivendell. Right. Because he is kin. Elrond's kin. Yeah, basically. So that's why, that's why, like... Elrond and his mother took refuge in Rivendell because that's that's why they're welcome there because they're kin. And so, yeah, so the line of kings descends from Elrond's brother. And um, the fuck? Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> that's also. Yeah. So so that's huh. that's that's All a story. Right. All right. That's, well, that's, that's a story. So um, <laughs> yeah. the implications. OK, so she finds this. The like Greg Puck was like tweeting about this and, I know and he made me laugh because like Ellen Deal comes in with this like journal or something and this like wow you guys did a deep dive without any access to digital searching for keywords yep, yep. very impressive yeah because he pulls their out card catalog and- must be out of control out of control um and he pulls out this like journal entry of like a human prisoner or something but it has that same thing that looks like a sigil, and then. But Galadriel. he says it's a map. He like he's like he map. drew a map to where Sauron is, and he says it's a map. And then Galadriel's wait, like wait, I've seen this before, but I didn't realize it was a map. And it's basically a map of Mordor, mm-hmm. and it's very clear that it's the Southlands. Yeah, which it's, we'll get to in a minute. It's wild. Um, so she comes to this realization. We have this like clear like Galadriel has been right about like something. Like she mm-hmm. she is correct and. Elendil seems to pick up on uh, like on this idea because she tells him like the threat is not over and he seems to believe her it feels mm-hmm. like of course we still don't really know what's going on um let's take a brief aside I think to dive into Elendil a little bit so we can talk yes. about Isildur and yes. his sister whose name I can't remember now um but basically Isildur uh is training to join the like version of Numen- Numenor's navy whatever you want to call it I don't remember um and he has travel on the brain it sounds like he wants to defer for a year like go backpacking backpacking in Europe basically backpacking in Europe which his dad is very much not into yeah so I know you tweeted about this and and I wanted to ask because I don't know a sort of like a non-spoilery vision version of like why Arendir, who is the brother, is Anarion. Anarion, sorry. I yeah. don't know why I keep saying Arendir. Anarion, 
why Anarion, the the brother, is important. Yeah, so not getting into too many spoilers, but Anarion and uh, Isildur, uh, basically, they, they like there's so the kingdoms of Arnor and Gondor in the um in Middle Earth are ruled by this family. Okay, and uh, they're joint kings of Gondor. Hence, Gondor and Honor. Yeah. Isildur's heir. Yes. For Aragorn. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yep. Um, but of course, like when his name comes up at dinner, Ellen Deal is, it gets very tense and he's like, we don't need to talk about that. So there are, I think, what what we are meant to pick up in this scene is just the strained family dynamics. There's a, there's a, there is, there's some very weird family dynamics here and the gentle, like, father figure we saw him try to be to, um, Galadriel is very, very, this is very different. It's, it's hard because I think there is, th- that that is still there. Yes, oh yeah, he, yeah. He is frustrated. He's clearly frustrated because Isildur wants to go backpacking in Europe for the, for a year before he accepts his role in whatever. And we've, we've seen him like look longingly at the mountains while in daydreaming. Um, and so he gets very irritated by that and sort of like snaps at him. But then when uh, Arian gets a message from the guild, the Builders Guild, I think, that mm-hmm. she uh, is accepted, he's surprised to hear that Isildur is the one who told her to, you know, try to reapply or whatever. And when he turns back to say something to his son, Isildur is gone. Yeah. So there's like, you know, you still see that fatherhood, that he is, he loves his children clearly. Yes. But he is struggling managing his expectations for where he wants them to be with what they want is and i think um it is uh it is isildur doesn't seem like the easiest person and also um uh i think also there's a lot maybe we don't understand yet about the structure of numenorean society it seems like ellen or it seems like ellen deal like put himself out to get his son this internship Uh uh-huh um and also like (laughs) Uh, yeah, without no, I love a better, it. better way to better way to phrase I love it. it and then um uh his daughter um whose name i'm forgetting again um arian arian yeah his daughter arian um it basically like her getting accepted to this guild is clearly like a life or like a guild is a real clearly a life-changing thing uh-huh. so i think there are some maybe context we're missing about the structure of numenorean society and like finding your place within it and like there is a lot i can sympathize with with a father wanting totally son to find a place and have security and like um i don't think it's so much about him following in his father's footsteps no i don't think think it's about just finding his own place in society and you asked me to do this and then now this is what you're doing so like i do sympathize i don't want to make it seem like i think he's like terrible but like i was just surprised at the force of his anger Mm mm-hmm because he is, he gets very like he gets it, very it's, angry very quickly. Um, so we that's sort of like what Ellen Deal's story is for the th- yeah. three episodes, and then let's let's go back to Halbrand because I think yes. we can pick up. So Halbrand, um, who has disagreed with Galadriel on how to approach being in this area, he wants to stay in Numenor. He thinks yeah. he can make a life for himself. He is left from the Southlands. Um, and so he tries to convince this, uh, what do you call it, the blacksmith 
that he can join them. He's really good at making This is weapons. another example of like, um, we. there's some stuff about Numenorean society we don't yet understand. Yeah, because the, the guy is basically like, if you're not a member of the guild, you cannot work here. Yeah. And so cut to Halbrand drinking in a bar. He's getting some like shit from some Numenoreans um, for like being there. They keep calling him low man and like taking, there's some like, you know, uh, messaging here of like, you're coming in here, taking our jobs, like blah blah blah, and we see how the way Halbrand is like end your women, end like, your women. We're like, oh no, He's, this is where we see like this is not Aragorn. This is someone who maybe has we'll find out has a burden similar to Aragorn, but is unwilling to participate in it. And he is my favorite kind of fantasy character, which yes. is the rogue, very much. Because he, you know, there's this like very tense moment, but we see Halbram notice the guy has. Here's it is. Here it is. Sorry, do you mind if I interrupt for a second? I mm-hmm. think I just you just said that. And it, Aragorn's a ranger. Halbrand is a rogue. Yeah, yeah, yes. 100%. I think that's the big difference. Yes. Um. And so you have Halbrand. He notices the guild. This, this guy's guild coin thing on his shoulder. His like whatever you call it. Uh. And you see him immediately. You can see the plan in his head. So he just like sits back. And he's like, you're right. Let's have a drink. And so starts like chatting up the party, like working the room. Obviously, we know what he's going to do. And he steals the guild mark. Mm-hmm. And he walks away whistling. It's very Matt Calthan, Wheel of the Time, like Wheel of Time, my like favorite kind of dude. Uh, just like little chaos monster doing what yep. he needs to do to get his. And he's like whistling and he's flipping the thing and the guys show up. And they're like, did you really think that, like, we weren't going to see what you did? And he's like, you can have it back. No harm, no foul. But they're like, no, we're going to beat the crap out of you. Yeah. And then we see who Halbrand is. Because the guy gets, like, a punch in and a slap, I think. And then Halbrand fucking wails on these guys. The way he's like, please don't do this. Like, I was, there was like a, it was like almost like a Hulk moment. Like, like, I know what's going to come out. And I don't want this trouble. Please just walk away. And it's not because you are going to hurt me. It's because I am going I'm to gonna hurt, hurt you. I'm going to hurt you. It was, it was really interesting. It was interesting. It was intense because he like immediately wails on these guys. Beats that shot of him breaking that guy's arm against the corner where you see the bone. It was like, mm, no, thank you. Um, but it, this, they're like calling him low man and all this stuff. So when he finally like bangs the last guy's. Uh, head against the wall he was like call me Halbrand and yeah. this very like like I'm getting the last word kind of way and so when Galadriel comes back from the library she finds him locked up and this is where we get the reveal that he is the heir to the king of the Southlands the Southlands yeah right um, um so if you know Middle Earth yeah wait hold on Girl, like, here's what happened like this is what <laughs> like, 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 so there has been a lot of clues that the Southlands are going to be Mordor. Yes. Um, And it's just like, if you like, literally when like Ryan, like, like when I was watching with my husband, Ryan, like we're watching on this like 120 inch projector screen and I pause it where like on the map of the Southlands in the first episode, I was like, do you recognize it? And he was like, no. And I like get up there and like, I'm like pointing, like I'm doing like a fucking <laughs> PowerPoint presentation. Like this is where the Black Gate of Mordor is. This is where Minas Tirith is. This is where Minas Morgul is. This is Mount Doom. Like it is very obvious. Well, like if you know the maps, but if you don't know the maps, you get the big reveal now. Yeah. Because like, I did not know. Yes. I didn't know any of it. 
And so she said it. And I had this brief elation of like, oh, he's a king. And then the context happened of like, what happened what to the rankings of men, Preeti? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> I literally like, it was like a split second. I was like, yay, he's a king. And then I was like, oh no, he's a king. Yep. Yep. <laughs> The Nine Kings of Men, if you don't remember in the movies or in the lore, is the, like, those are the Nazgul, the Ringwraith, neither living nor so, dead. Okay, sorry, I'll stop quoting. So upset. I was so upset because I so, love him so much. Um, But he might, you never but know. Nothing. Like, you don't yeah, know. You don't, don't, know. You don't know what's going to happen. Like, he, uh, but we do know that, like, like, a lot of bad stuff's going to happen before good stuff yeah. happens so um so we find out he is but his ancestor uh his father maybe i don't know it gotta be more like i don't a know little his ancestor uh swore a blood oath to morgoth yes um and they served norgoth which makes me like a blood oath sound, i don't know what what significance a blood oath in this world has but like is does that pass down through your blood feels like, bad yeah it's not, feels bad it feels bad like feels the fact bad. that they specifically said it was a blood oath feels bad mm-hmm. um so and he doesn't want any piece of that but galadriel is like come back with me let's yeah. unite the southlands let's drive the orcs out let's find mm-hmm. this evil let's find uh sauron so that's kind yeah. of where they're going that's where episode three leaves off with their story yes line. um okay now we okay. can go to perhaps where do we want to go next the harfy the Harfoots. Harfoots. Har- I keep calling them Harfoots. I give them Harfoots even because though I know that's foot, wrong. Proud feet, I know like, exactly. From the first movie. Same. But, uh, the the Harfoots, and you and I are going to, I think, disagree on them because you love them and I love them. Don't I, I love, love like, a hobbit. I like, so these are the ancestors. Proto hobbits, basically. To, yeah, they're proto hobbits, essentially. Um, they're like a, it looks like a nomadic group. Mm-hmm. Um, of these small people who live in the forest they have a very like structured idea of how their migrations work they have like a pretty structured society you have um uh satic burrows is sort of like the leader Mm -hmm. of of the the harfoots um they're very sweet it's it's they're very sweet there's a lot a lot of hobbit like stuff Yes, um, you've got Nori and Poppy who are best friends, and mm-hmm. Nori is like the one we are going to be following. Obviously, mm-hmm. she's she like you know not dissimilar to Isildur in terms of like chafing a little bit at the rules. She she she's very mischievous. You know, um, we get a lot of like world building through them mm-hmm. of like things they have to worry about and like what's what's uh, what it's like existing in their part of middle mm-hmm. earth and there's a lot of very hobbit things about like we don't explore we don't engage with mm-hmm. the outside world we don't you know there's a lot of like hobbit like stuff like that like um she's very reminiscent of frodo in a lot of ways yes um and so uh yeah and we see we see some like weirdness come like the hunters they're hunters uh like you know giants oh i forgot about them yeah 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 Yeah, like out out earlier than usual they're they they go past where they should to pick some berries yep uh uh, nori and poppy take some kids and there's like a weird weird animal out and like pop or like nori does not feel good about it so there's some hints that like not all is right but Mm -hmm. most of mostly like carefree and sweet until the end of the first episode yep when a 
fireball shoots through the sky. Yep. And it lands near Nori and she goes and scramble her and Poppy. I can't remember Poppy is there. Yeah, Poppy is I there. I think Poppy is there. Yeah. And they scramble and there is a man, an old yep. man, naked man who um came through the fireball. So let's talk about first how we feel. I don't so um and I think part of my feelings about the Harfoots comes from my a lot of my investment in the show is seeing how like the larger story unfolds like seeing like like uh, I, we all know that i love lore whether it's star mm-hmm. wars or lord of the rings and so i feel like every time they're on screen the pace of the show just grinds to a halt you think so i, I do it's- and i i feel that way and i'm like i i spent a lot of time thinking about why the hobbits like, I don't feel that way at all in the Lord of the Rings movies. And I feel that way in this. And I think it's because we see the first third of the Lord of the Rings movies through Frodo's eyes only before yes. we're introduced to the wider world. Whether Whereas in this show, we know there's a wider world and there's a place they're going and there's a there's a lot of narrative tension. And I don't think that this story necessarily fits within like the pace of this story fits within that larger mold i've talked to some people about this too who feel similarly to figure out why it is and like i think it's just that yeah like i do feel like when they're on screen i'm like oh gonna go make some like make grab a drink or something here's my counter okay because i don't disagree with you i do think the pacing is different i do think the the stakes are different, but I see it as macroscopic and microscopic. Yeah. So you've got Galadriel dealing with this huge big thing, mm-hmm. but we know that huge big thing, as much as the Shire is isolated, mm-hmm. still managed to impact it so intensely. Yes. And so to me, the Harfoots are, they can't forget that. Yeah. You can't forget in this huge story how many people, even if they don't know it, will be impacted by these great events mm. and the Harfoots are a great example of that because we're going to see like how it does hurt them and how it does help them and how are how are these things going to impact them and we need they're almost it's almost like they're the common man a little yes. bit yes yeah I see what you're in saying in this story um and then pulling this man who falls out of the sky is pulls there, them into the larger story pulls them into the larger story even if it's a much slower pace than yeah. what's happening with uh, the elves and and men and all of that. Right. I think I'm still good. Like, I mean, it is fine. I don't think either of us are wrong. I think we're both no. like, it's just an opinion. But like, uh, I am never, I don't think I'm ever going to love the Harfoot stuff. And I think that's fine. I don't think I, you have to love every I don't know. I would, I wouldn't say never ever because we don't know where what they're going to pull yeah. in. Right? Um, because they might do something that makes me be like, ugh. I also don't really like what we've seen of their society. Like, I think there's some cruelty there that is. Um, oh, that for sure. To. And it's like a little shocking. Um, uh, and we can get there. So I think it's also it's like it's like a mix of the tension and the pacing and also like. There's some. OK, so let's let's keep going. So he falls out of the sky. And it's funny because you texted me after this episode. And we're like, are we supposed to know who that guy is? Yeah. I was like, who is this man? Is guy? So we're not supposed to know. But I am. Um, pretty much certain it is a wizard um i think it's gandalf Mm -hmm. but some things we have seen uh that we'll talk about it could be they could be it could be a red herring it could be saruman um what we know of the wizards from from 
bigger lore is that they arrive in Middle Earth as old men. We don't know how they come to Middle Earth. We know they arrive. They do arrive in the Third Age. This story is set in the Second Age. Whatever. uh, Before you well actually me. But uh, the the people... The people running the show have said that they're messing with chronology a little bit. They're messing with timelines. They're messing they're with canon. They're, 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 they are, they're trying to build the best story they can. And they're not going to be 100% faithful to Tolkien. And I think that's fine. Because um, you can't do a television series that is set over hundreds and hundreds of years without having to constantly recast the people playing humans. Right. Right. And just like... <laughs> Like, let's, like, if you're going to, like, just, 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 yeah, I don't know. I have, I have a lot of issues with the idea that we need to be fully faithful to Tolkien's vision. Like, the vision will always exist. Those, nobody's pulling those books off the shelf. Like, those books exist. But I, I I appreciate that they're, they're trying to, like, do something different with this series. So, but I do think it's a wizard. Um, I think, um, I, 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 I'm pretty sure it's a wizard. I, I, I think it is Gandalf. I feel he pretty strongly like it's Gandalf. Gandalf. He moves like Gandalf. He looks like Gandalf. Like the cons- like so. The one thing that made me think is like so. Basically, a lot of the storyline in episode two for Nori is like the wizard basically bumbling and them trying to communicate. Like yeah. because he the wizard cannot communicate. Like he's like clearly like. Um, learning language learning stuff and Mm -hmm. so it's a lot of them trying to communicate and understand each other and at the end of the episode nori and poppy go basically nori goes to tell him like i can't help you her father is injured which will become important her father is injured trying to take down a tent i think yeah and it was implied that it was possibly related to something that this like wizard was doing yeah um, and so she goes to basically say, like, my family is in trouble. I can't help you anymore. And then finally makes a breakthrough in communication with them when he sees that, like, there are fireflies. They capture mm-hmm. fireflies to light their lanterns. And he uses the fireflies to, like, make a constellation in the sky. He's looking for some stars. Yeah. But then the fireflies die after. And yeah. that use of life, to me, is very cavalier of characteristic of Saruman, not Gandalf. But then we see him his actions in episode three make me feel like it's Gandalf because he clearly is remorseful and um he is basically so the culture of the Harfoots is that you have to carry your own family cart mm-hmm. and if you fall behind from the migration behind. you're left behind basically left to die I find that very strange and very cruel um like basically you're elderly you're infirm you're disabled are just it's terrible it's It's terrible but it's for the the society that they live in the i think the way they present it and the way they see it is the lives of the many versus the lives of the few which is terrible it is it's like it's ruthless it's It's ruthless it's not but um, this is the society they present, so I'm not gonna. Yes. I'm and not gonna go into that. But the juxtaposition of what is this like carefree, sweet little space, which they do with the hobbits in Lord of the Rings too, to show how there is like this these underlying threads of like um, fear of the outside, and like you don't allow 
others in and you don't allow for these things. So we see like minimal threads of that in Lord of the Rings. And this is just a wider version is, is so much of their decision-making is rooted in fear. Yeah. And so much of their society is rooted in fear because they are not, they, they are not in a position to protect themselves. Yeah. And so, so, but that's, that's the situation we, that's the, that's what we're presented with. And with her father's injury, uh, Nori and her family are worried about basically falling behind because the migration mm-hmm. is coming up. And then on top of that, so they're already worried about that. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, the wizard, basically Nori manages to steal a page from like the leader of the town's journal that shows the stars that Gandalf or the wizard is looking for it takes him to the wizard but as mm-hmm. he's looking at the paper it accidentally catches on fire and he's like kind of bumbling around which also feels very Gandalf the yes. bumbling um he's like bumbling around he's basically discovered and they find out that Nori has been which is we should say after like during the speech where they're doing all the remembrances yeah and it's this like beautiful beautiful moment where you see the camaraderie and you see the like love for everyone in this community it isn't like you know happens and forget it they hold on to the debts and they hold on to the losses very intensely right um there's like a call and response it's very yeah it it's a like, beautiful scene i just like i don't know i don't think i just can't i don't think i can get past the like even if it's like i just i can't get past like i don't think I, it's about getting past or anything it's not like i accept this to be, of course not of course right not, it's yeah. it's a complicated they are presenting a complicated society this is not black and white all of which is narratively purposeful yes in what they're doing and so they're having the scene and it is intensely interrupted by this wizard popping up where and it's like kind of heartbreaking because he like pops up and he says Nori Nori. in this like really just like he is clearly so thrown by what's happened um and so then it devolves basically and uh there there there's some people who are saying we should like they she violated our laws let's Mm -hmm. kick them all out leave them whole family behind and the elder whose name I can't remember basically says she's young we'll forgive her this but the family will be at the back and they were hoping to be at the front so they could kind of set the pace yeah. of the uh, of the migration. And so basically with his leg injury and the fact that they can't carry the cart, being at the back is functionally, they're going to get left behind. Mm-hmm. Um, and Gandalf is clearly, or the wizard is very distraught by the fact that helping him has endangered his friend. Have you? Yeah, did you get, I got that impression. I don't know how much he understands. Okay. Honestly, um, because they're going along, they're clearly having trouble, and he steps out. And the way Nori presents it is as a quid pro quo. Right. Because Gan, I, we keep calling him Gandalf, but like the, the wizard, wizard yeah. uh, says Nori and then says friend because she was like, I'm your friend. Like, you know, they're like, we don't need friends outside, whatever. But Nori sees this wizard as her friend, but she presents it as a quid pro quo. They'll they'll help him. He'll help them. Right. I don't know how much the wizard actually understands. Yeah. And um, we can't know. Yeah. I I would love for him to like be like, oh, I I should help because this has happened because of me. But I it felt very much to me where he was just more afraid 
of mm-hmm. being alone and not having that one connection he had fostered. Um, but we we really just don't know. Yeah. Like, I think that's a really nice reading of it. I just didn't pick up on that. All of this being said, um, if this is Gandalf, it would explain why he has such an affection for hobbits. It would, yes. So, we'll um, so basically, we leave it off as if we help him, he'll help us. This is how we keep up. So yeah. the implication is he's going to help with their migration. And then once they get to their destination, they will help him, I guess. Do we know where they're going? No. And their camp felt very near I did Mordor. See, so I did see an interview about this of like okay. how the... I'm trying to even remember where I saw it now because it's like, uh, who was talking about it? But like the various Hobbit factions and where they came from. So like these are not the Hobbits. Shire Hobbits, yeah. These are not the ones that like say Gollum or Smeagol was descended from. These are different ones because they like split up into one side of the mountains and on the other side of the mountains. And I believe Uh, these are the other side of the mountain Hobbits. See, I thought they were on... Are they the Shire side or the... I think they're the Shire side. Okay, so, the, the, so these are the hobbits that are eventually going to... I think so. Yeah, I thought that their camp was... I don't know. I don't know. I haven't looked into them. I haven't paid a lot of attention to the Harfoots. But um, <laughs> there are different factions of hobbits. Like there are in, yeah. even in present day Middle Earth. Um, present I'm, day Middle I'm Earth it because, because it exists as a real place. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I also... I, I think that I'm looking it up because I swear I saw an interview that said that they were like, they are the ones who eventually become hobbits. Um, So I'm going to, I'm going to look it up really quickly, but if we want to move on in the meantime, and then I'll interrupt us to tell. I Um, I think the last story we're going to talk about is Bronwyn and Aaron Deer. Um, Aaron Deer is an elf who lives. Um, he, he's, he, there, he's an elf who patrols the Southlands and the elves have been patrolling. Yes. Do we want to mention though very quickly before we move over to that side of things, uh, Elrond and the dwarves? Because we didn't talk about them yes. At all. Okay. Yes, I talked. About, I, yes, yes, I forgot about that. Um, oh my god, we're an hour and a half into this episode. Oh my um, god. Okay, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Um, Elrond and uh, he meets Celebrimbor, um, who is an elven smith, who's the ki- lord of the elven smiths. Um, mm-hmm. And if you know Lord of the Rings, when they introduce Celebrimbor, you're like, oh, uh, yeah. So he is, he is, uh, he's a, he's a character. He's, he forged, I mean, he's an elven smith. He forges the great ring. The, he forges the rings. Like we, yeah. rings of power. We know that. Um, so, um, yeah. So, and he just, there's a lot that's going to go on with him. But <laughs> I like, sorry, just like trying quick, not to say moment. anything. Sumna's trying so hard to choose her words so carefully. Yeah. So I can like watch her get very flustered. <laughs> like, like, I just like, like, I think it's fine to let people know he's an elven smith. I think it's fine to make the leap and tell people he is, he forges the rings of power. Like, yeah. that, that's fair. But like anything See, more there, than that, I don't want to tell. Is, do we think there's going to be a connection between Halbrand being like, I'm really good at forging stuff. And... <laughs> This Elven Smith, that seems very pointed to me. It's, it's possible. I mean, it's In very possible. Um, but especially as they are, tra- he's like, so Celebrimbor, basically Gilgalad assigns Elrond to Celebrimbor as his yeah. like, helper. And Celebrimbor is trying to build the greatest forge in Middle-earth. It seems like and- shady fuck. Like from someone yeah. who doesn't know any of this, I'm like, that dude is shady. 
Um, and so, yeah, that could come in as they're bringing people in to help, like, build the forge or work on the forge. That could absolutely be a connection. But Elrond's basically like, well, we need some help to build this, and Gilgalad only gave you me, so why don't we call on the dwarves mm-hmm. to help? And so Elrond goes to see his close personal friend Doran, who's the son of the leader of Khazad-dûm, or Moria, as we know it. And um, expects a very warm welcome and doesn't get it. Nope. <laughs> he gets refused entry to Moria, uh, to Khazad-dûm, and basically uh, has to challenge, issue a challenge to Durin to get them to open the door and let him in. And they go through like this like strength competition and Durin it's is really fantastic. funny. It's hilarious. <laughs> I love Durin. I yes. love him. Fantastic. Um, and then, like, basically Elrond loses and is going to get escorted out of Casa Doom forever and asks Durin to escort him. And they're in this elevator, and I <laughs> lost my shit. I laughed so hard. When, like, he's like, Elrond's like, what did I do? Like, what? We're, we're literally brothers. What is going on? And he was like, you missed my wedding! And I lost it. I lo- started laughing so hard. But I mean, it is genuinely, like, there's genuine pain. Like, this is a yes. guy he considered his brother, missed his missed his wedding, missed the birth of his children. Like, he hasn't seen him in 20 years. And Duran makes a very good point that, like, in the life of an elf, 20 years might seem like, it's nothing. like nothing. But I'm not an elf. I'm a dwarf. I have a shorter lifespan. And you've missed, I've lived an entire life in the time you have been gone. Mm-hmm. It's and really Elrond is really heartbreaking and really moving. And Elrond, to his credit, is just like, I'm sorry. Like, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. To his credit, but Elrond also wants something from him. Like, mm-hmm. Elrond is very good at playing the politician. So he was like, I would like to issue an apology to your wife. <laughs> so Duran's like, fine. One apology, then you leave. No meal. You're not having dinner with us. And so we meet Duran's wife, whose name I can't remember. but who I know. I'm fantastic. like looking in the cast because she's so good. She's so good. She's so, so, so good. Um, because she immediately like shows up and is like, "You're staying for dinner, obviously." Right. And Duran's like, "Yeah." <laughs> so, um, so he meets the wife and meets their adorable kids, who we only see with like, like these like big stone heads on because they're playing around in Duran's heads, and it's so cute. And I'm like, I love this family. I would die for this family. I know they're so sweet, so cute. And then Duran's still like, <laughs> and and his wife's like, "Oh my god, suck it up!" Like. Like, oh my god, stop being a baby. And like, um, <laughs> finally hears Elrond's proposition um, and takes it to their leader. Mm-hmm. Durin takes it to his father. Mm-hmm. And Durin's father is basically like, okay, so it, is it a coincidence that they that they bring us this proposition and want to work with us at the same time? Like, we have this big th- secret thing going on that we don't want them to know about. And Duran's like, I don't think he knows. I don't think he knows. I think it's just a coincidence. And Duran's like, is it? They're elves. Like, is it a coincidence? Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of where we leave it. But before yeah. we before we leave it, like, Duran the Elder opens it's some sort of chest or box. And there's something inside. Yeah. And that's what the secret is. We don't know what the secret is. Pretty sure it's Mithril. Right? It's gotta be. I, I've gotta be Mithril because we know the dwarves dwell to delve too greedily and too deep and Moriana woke the Balrog. We know yeah. that Moria is where they mine Mithril. So like, I, it's gotta be, it's, that's, that's what's yeah. gotta be. But, um, so that's where we leave that story. But I loved that story. No, I thought it was wonderful. It was really a joy to see. Like one, it was nice to see 
what Moria was after we knew like what it becomes gorgeous um because like you know of course we're thinking of what it looks like in the darkness and and with all of everyone has died and so it was like great to see when it's like bursting with life and bright and colorful and and all these things um yeah I agree I thought that was like really really fun and strong of them to introduce within the first two episodes yeah um go ahead no, no, no. What you were going to say, did you find out the thing about the hobbits? I did. Okay. So they are seen on screen living within Rovanian, uh, the plains forest area of Middle Earth that sits east of the Misty Mountains. East of the and, Misty Mountains, right? So that's like north of Markwood. Mordor. That's where the marshes of the dead are. So they're saying that though they're present there within the first two episodes, they make it clear they're preparing to migrate and – because of that, they think they're going west, and so we'll plant the west roots somewhere the where they'll, mountains. yeah, where they'll eventually become the hobbits, the hobbits of the Shire. Okay, so yeah, so basically, where they are now is where the marshes of the dead are. In, yeah, um, in the in the third second movie, third second, movie, yeah, second. the stinking marshes of the yeah. Dead. I think I think that these will become the hobbits, and that is from um, I was reading from the article on. Comicbook.com from okay. Spencer Perry, whom we both oh, know. Oh, okay, okay. So, <laughs> um, okay, so then the, that last storyline is uh, with Arendir and Bronwyn. Um, yes. So Arendir is a beautiful elf. Yes, um, very handsome. <laughs> very, very handsome. Uh, uh, the most elf-like elf we have seen besides, like, Galadriel, I will say. Right? Yeah, right. like... Like, if elves are supposed to be these creatures of ethereal beauty, he is it. And he's played by Ismael Cruz Cordova, we should say, because um, he's, he's beautiful. He's a beautiful yes. man. Yes. So um, <laughs> he uh, he is an elf patrolling the Southlands, and the elves have been patrolling these lands for centuries, basically, uh, partially, I think, to keep an eye on, like, the evil in the land, mm-hmm. partially because these people, these they don't trust these humans right. whose ancestors allied themselves with Morgoth. Right. Um, and, um, so based, so they've been patrolling for centuries. There's a lot of animosity between the humans and the elves because they're basically, they see them as kind of like occupiers in their land. Um, but there is a healer, Bronwyn, and she has a son, Theo, and there's a, there's a thing between Arendir and Br- Bronwyn. They clearly have an affection for one another. Um, there's some tension. Yeah, so um, Arendir on his patrol hears of a poison within the land. Something is poisoning the um, animals. And then uh-huh. he goes to Bronwyn, I guess Bronwyn's home just to like, I don't know, just to chat. And then, um, or no, to tell her that they've all been recalled. Yeah, right. because it's over. They've all, it's over. So they've all been recalled. Gilgalad has declared there's no more evil. It is done. This is like in conjunction with what's going on with Galadriel, her being mm-hmm. there. Um, at Linden um, it's all done so he goes to basically tell her like I'm leaving and then when he goes to tell her that some one of the somebody brings an animal to her and is like this animal is sick and it's disgusting um, this animal is sick um, it's grazed in these lands that are a little uh-huh. bit further from here and so Bronwyn and Arendir are like let's go check it out well, yeah, he like tries to milk the cow like and like just like black, black tar it's disgusting. comes out. It's awful. So they go and they have like a conversation on the way that's very interesting where Braun like 
like uh uh Arndir, um is like you know these people are evil and she's like these are like my family and my friends yeah and he's like yeah i know but there's a lot of evil still here like you need to be aware of it and so like she gets like really upset with him but then they come across the town where the um where the people where the like cow was grazing and the entire town's burned mm-hmm. so they're like poking around this town like trying to figure out what happened and they go into a house and like Aaron Deer finds like a tunnel basically yeah. which is super creepy super creepy super creepy and so he's like i gotta see where this goes yeah so see you and she's like i gotta get home and warn my people that something is coming Mm -hmm. in the meantime theo is back home and has talked about like mice hearing mice under the floorboards yes and then they go out to the like while his mom and erin are gone they go out to the barn and he like finds under the floorboards this like knife yeah really evil looking knife really evil looking knife creepy looking knife um and then basically bronwyn comes home and uh and theo is hiding in the wall and is like run and this like thing comes up out of the floor and it's basically an orc wearing like yeah. a horse head but it, you don't know what it is at the beginning it's terrifying this it's so scary and you're just like, run, run, run! Oh my god! Oh my god! What is it? What is it? This is like what I was screaming on my screen. And like, uh, Bronwyn and Theo fight the orc, and they get the uh-huh. thing off, and it's like becomes clear it's an orc. And I should say, before this, she went to her people and were like, "We need to go. Like, yeah. there is evil here. We need to go." And they basically like laughed her out of the room. They were like, "We need proof. Like, if we're so gonna they, go, we need proof." So she fights the orc. They fight and cuts off the orc's head. Yep. And she takes it back and like bangs it down on the like, like bar. And it's like, whoever's proof. going, we leave. We're leaving for the elf <laughs> tower now. Let's go. It's a very good moment. But then as Theo's packing up to leave, some of his blood, like basically the knife like absorbs some of his blood and you see the mark of Sauron. It's like it's not great. It's it's so like this is like an, clearly gonna become an evil child. Yep. Yep. Um and like the entire time, I should say, while I'm watching this series. Um, I'm playing like who's Sauron because at this point in history in Lord of the Rings history uh, Sauron's a shapeshifter so he can be anybody um, so we don't know well, who I he is or if we've that. seen him yet yeah so we don't know who he is so like every like when Halbron turned on those all those uh, people and like wailed on them I was like oh is he Sauron like is this Sauron <laughs> coming out is he Sauron I don't think he's Sauron anymore but like so like I am playing like he's like Mephisto like 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 spot Sauron and he probably hasn't even shown up yet but like that's like what's going on through my head during all of this um right okay so then taking the thread from that Arendir follows the tunnel gets captured by orcs oh it's awful and put in this like work camp where there are other elves enslaved and they're all digging these tunnels yep one of the elves tell them they're clearly looking for something it could Mm -hmm. be the weapon that Theo found they're looking for something, maybe a weapon. The other piece of news we get is they're following a leader named Adar. Yes. Who could be Sauron, could not, but like Adar is an elvish name, which or elvish word, which they are all very confused by. Yep. So there's a lot of like brutality, a lot of like sh- it's shitty, it's terrible. They're treated terribly. <clears throat> that means orcs running the camp. They're treated terribly. Um, there's some escape attempts. A lot of people die. A lot of people die. Both the like... I will say, so, like, it's 
it's a lot of harshness. It's a lot of like um, setting up like the orcs don't like being in the sun and like they're, you know, they they hurt people very badly. And the three L's, Arendir and these two others, try to hatch a plan to get away and call for help. Um, and the elves sort of like mock them and, and they kill the, one the of the elves. Orcs, yeah. I mean, sorry, the orcs mock them and they kill one of the elves in front of Arendir and, and this other guy. Um, it's very heartbreaking. And then they come up with a plan to – it's this big action sequence. There's a lot of fighting. Arendir gets a great shot of, like, jumping to the air and bringing the beam down of the thing. And there's, like, they, chain fighting. Like, it's, it's yeah. a cool visual. It's a cool visual. Uh, the orcs – there's, like, you think they're going to do it. Then the orcs bring out a warg, um, one of those, like, dog – looking rabid things that go after the uh in the two towers that go yeah. after the uh, folk of rohan mm-hmm. and basically you think that the older elf get is gonna get away and erendir helps him to climb over the edge he's running and then erendir scrambles up to just try to see him get away and we watch him die yeah and then erendir is pulled down and the you know they make it a point to be like can orcs worship because they talk about him they talk about Adar as if they're worshiping worshiping him and so they're like no bring this one to Adar yes and then the last scene we see in um the third episode of the uh series is like this like blurry mm-hmm. face but it looks like an elf it does because the you- person has long brown hair yep. you know like they look like an elf just the presence, the way, like, it looks like an elf. So yeah, the question now, Adar is a new character for this show. Like, he's not in, like, hmm. not in lore. But the question is, like, is he a turned elf? Because there are there is some, like, elves that turned against their own people and, like, Ooh. yeah, we're, like, like worked with the dark. And so there's some, there's some, there's a history of that. So is he, like, a turned elf? Like, what's going on here? Interesting. So. And that's, that's where we are. Thing. Oh my god! An hour and forty nine minutes later. I think maybe we aim for two episodes per season. Like yeah. I don't even know. Yeah. All right. Well, that's that. You'll, that's so. Like, you can hang you out with fun. us on Fridays at eight PM Eastern, where we will be live tweeting on Daisy Geek Girls along with a bunch of other folks. Yes. Um, for episode four, and. All right, what are we doing? Right? You go, yeah, yeah you go first. You just had a book come out. Oh, yeah. So Avengers Assembly number three, Exchange Students 101, came out last week. Um, so that's the third and final in, in the Avengers Assembly series. Um, and I also wanted to ask, if you got a copy of Spider-Man Social Dilemma, I would love for you to leave a review. It is how it helps anywhere you, you picked up the book, but like Goodreads, Amazon, whatever, like, would love to see a review if you if you enjoyed it. <laughs> I'm gonna say if you didn't like it, that's fine. Um, and then lastly, this is a combo I think because I will be on a panel at New York Comic Con along with Samira Ahmed, where we are talking about like geeky superhero stuff and being Indian women writing legacy characters, and it is moderated by somebody you know very well. Yeah, I'm moderating. I'm really excited. Um, I don't know if this is the first all South Asian panel at NYCC, but it's certainly... Uh, um, it's the first, I think, that would be about specifically uh, writing... Not being novels. South Asian. Yeah. This and is not... not yeah, like, I mean, we are going to talk about obviously bringing our identity into our work, but like it is... 
it's not a diversity panel, which is yes. really exciting. Yes. Like, um, because usually there's like everybody else getting to talk about their cool stuff, and then you know people of color get asked to do the diversity panels. And yeah, stuff. <laughs> I'm really excited about this. Um, I am. Uh, I'm still doing my show, Far Out, which is on PBS Terra's YouTube channel. Episode four on lab-grown meat came out the 25th of August, so check that out if you're interested. Um, and otherwise, just same old, same old. Still doing my Wired column. Got my stargazing book come out, coming out late next year. So. Uh, what are you into? Um, I'm reading An Unexpected Peril by Deanna Rayborn. Um, this is a, like, Edwardian era, maybe Victorian era, Edwardian era series. Um, and it's about, like, a, uh, it's like a, it's like a, it's like, it's probably the sixth book in the series. And it's like a mystery series. Everyone's a different mystery. And the main character, Veronica Speedwell, is like a woman who has sworn off, like, marriage. And she is a lepidotron she like basically re- like she's like a scientist and she like studies okay. butterflies and it's just it's just very different it's cool it's like one of those like you know like it's very different it's a really nice romance like slow burn romance if you're into that um with a, a nice uh like me like it's it's a fun series i love it it's like one of those like i go to when like i'm in a reading slump and need something that mm. i know will like oh that's cool i'll be interested in reading so really enjoying that um, I'm also uh, watch. I'm playing the game Stray, which is like you probably have heard about it. It's like mm-hmm. a game where you play a cat. I'm really enjoying it. Um, it's really cute and uh, well done. Like I'm, I'm, at, I'm curious about it because I know you texted me and were like, I think you'd like this game, and I, I agree. Would, like yeah. I was like very curious about it. Um, how like is there fighting? How are the no. missions working? So you just basically have to run a lot. Like there okay. are some bad I guys. I love that. And you just need a cat, so you run, and your missions work by, like, you go, like, basically there's a storyline, and Mm -hmm. you as a cat are um, able to, like, it's more, so there's a lot of, like, jumping to get to the next thing, figuring out how to get to the next thing, finding what you're looking for in a city, Um, and the, the, like, enemy parts, I will say, like, 75% of it, you're in safe zones. You're not having to worry about, like, around every corner there being enemies. The enemy, like, when you're dealing with enemies, you're dealing with enemies and that's it. It's, so I like that about it. Like, the en- okay. there are some parts of the enemy stuff that is hard, but you know you're going into the enemy stuff going into it. And, Got like, it. it's not, like, where you're just, like, walking around the street and you're going to get ambushed. Got it. All right. Okay. I like it. I think it's really cute and it's short. Um, I think the main story is only about five hours long. Oh. So I'm halfway through and like it's short and I'm I'm feel comfortable playing it in very small spurts, which I also like because I don't, you know, have yeah. a lot of time to play. So um yeah, so that's good. I'm also uh watching I think I was probably talked about this like two months ago because I watched the first episode of Only Murders in the Building season two, which I love the show. <laughs> I and was then like, like what does this stand for? <laughs> oh, I just said L M I T B. Like uh Yeah, I probably talked about it like two like three yeah, months yeah, yeah, ago because yeah, I watched yeah. the first episode, but finally I've watched like episodes two through five now. I'm probably gonna try and finish this this season later this week. I love this show. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I I'm I need to give it another shot, I think, because I watched the first episode and it just didn't pull me in. It is. It's one of those shows where, like, if you don't, it's almost better to know what to expect going in. Like, Mm. there's a lot of shows where it's like, just don't watch it and don't. But you have to know what to expect because it's so weird. Yeah, it's a weird. Because it's like Steve Martin, Martin Short, and Selena Gomez. Like, (laughs) 
Sting shows up no, in season two, like Amy Schumer as herself. Sting is a major character as himself. Amy Schumer is major like, in the second season. Awesome. It's just so weird, but you kind of have to like know that it is super bizarre going in because if you watch it and you don't know that, like it's almost like, oh, I don't know what this is. Well, this is very weird. It's it's hard because I I the reason I watch it is because I fucking love Martin Short. Oh my like, god, then you have Martin to Short. watch it. You have to. I love to. Steve Martin, but there was they're just something They're both so good. They're both they're always so good, but there was just like something about that first episode that just didn't like hook me, so I never went back. I think with the first episode, do try the second episode like because yeah. the first episode like Selena Gomez is kind of like I don't really want to talk to anyone. Like it's just you're not at the camaraderie. Yeah, part they're of very it isolated. Yeah, they've all got their. They don't really like each other. They're all got their separate storylines, but very quickly they come in and become like this like like you trio, know? and it's so cute, especially because they're all so like different and they yeah. know each other, but they're also like they become like so close knit and like Selena Gomez and these two old dudes. Like it's like it's just it's a wonderful. I love this show. Okay. So like all it's right. what I, I it's it. like. It's like the one show I recommend to like everybody because I love it. So I'll give it another shot. Yeah. Like it, it does feel like something that would be up my alley. Um, right now I am TV, like TV, I'm doing a lot of rewatching. Like I just did all of Adventure Time. I'm going to do Dragon Prince because <laughs> I hit my, I hit my mic and made a I'm face. I'm more laughing at your face like, yikes. Um, I'm going to do uh, Dragon Prince because the new season's starting in November. Um, so there's it's a lot of like rewatch and actually also I'm replaying Ocarina of Time. Hey, which I, I've not that's great. It's so good. I forgot how good it was. I mean, I didn't forget how good it was, but I forgot what a fun experience playing the game was and how much of our current video game uh, playthroughs come from Ocarina of Time. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. drawing a line from the experience of a, like playing even the way I play Witcher or Spider-Man or whatever, like you can see remnants of that in Ocarina of Time, which has been fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's available on the Switch through like the Switch Online membership mm-hmm. thing. So I okay. got it so I can play that and Majora's Mask. Okay. And then I'll do a Breath of the Wild, I think. I'm trying to decide whether I want to get that or just set up a like a N64 emulator on my Steam Deck. I know. I don't know. Like I did it because I don't have that option. I'll do, I'll do that and I'll let you know because I'm trying to convince Preeti that she needs a Steam Deck. Um, <laughs> and so I'm going to try that. Um, but I might just pay for Nintendo Switch Online anyway because I feel bad like emulator you know yeah so like then i'll pay for that and then i will not feel bad about about, about doing the other doing thing it. yeah okay yeah well I'll- yeah because my my question would be like i would do both actually because i bet on the emulator the thing with the nintendo 64 uh games on switch is you don't have the updated you don't have the nds version of okay. ocarina you have the original Nintendo is that good 64. or bad? I don't know. I've only played the original, but I okay. see graphics from the uh, the remaster they did for the Nintendo DS. Is it and I was good? Like, yeah, it's great. Okay, I'm maybe like, I'll put I a DS. Okay, could, that's like, a good. Okay, I will try visuals. that and then report back. Yeah, I'm so curious. Um, and then I am reading uh, two books right now. Well, reading one, listening to one. Reading Portrait of a Thief by Grace Lee Chen, I think is the author's name. It's so good. It is. <laughs> this i really want to read this yeah it, i would i've had it on hold at the library for like 10 months and it finally came in like a couple weeks ago but it's basically crazy rich asians meets oceans 11 okay and it's 
so atmospheric and like it's a heist book which is up my alley and it's like every it's like multiple pov so you're kind of getting everyone who is in the heist like all of their perspectives and they're all amateurs like they're not real thieves they're all like 22 23 it's really fun okay i'm really really digging it and then I'm listening to the fourth book in the Vampire Chronicles. I have made it to book four of Is that the Anne Rice series? Yes. Lestat. Okay, okay, let's start. Okay. So I did the Vampire Lestat. Right. I did Queen of the Damned. I just finished. And I just started today the Tale of the Body Thief. Lestat might be maybe in my top five main characters of all time. He is absurd he has twice in two different books referred to himself as the james bond of vampires like it is the best (laughs) i am obsessed with this ridiculous series and irrationally angry i didn't get into it earlier Mm -hmm. it's so good i like if you want like camp and emotional and just like Because I am, I also find myself like really feeling deeply for this man, even though he's ridiculous. It's just so enjoyable. And the audiobooks, like A plus. Outstanding work. Good to know. Good to know. Uh, Okay. Yeah, we are part of the Hard Knock Life Podcast Network. You can find all the podcasts in the Hard Knock Media family at hardknockmedia.com. That's Hard Knock for nerds of color. So nocmedia.com. Uh, thank you to our Patreon subscribers. Preeti and I will be getting together and uh, getting uh, figuring out your rewards and getting them out to you by the end of the year. Um, I just remembered we actually need to do that because we usually do that in October and that's almost, it's almost October. Oh my so, God. I know. So we will be figuring that out. So don't worry. If you have rewards for this year, um, they will be coming by the end of the year. Um, thank you to Meredith and Rita at the $12 level and Amber, Jordan, Annie, Brandy, Claire, Brian, Robert, Chris, the Not Family, Priya, Kish of Ruth, and Kavita at the $5 level. You can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Girls. Uh, and as we said, you can find us on Twitter at Thacy Geek Girls, where we are live tweeting the Rings of Power every Friday night. Uh, I am on all social medias at Run With Skizzers, S-K-I-Z-Z-E-R-S. I'm on Twitter at SKrishna, TikTok at uh, at Swapna underscore Krishna. And uh, until next time, we'll see you in hell. In Labrador! Oh, no! <laughs> 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 <laughs>